Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. What I believe is that we are all talking about the same thing and arguing over what to call it. So therefore, yeah. we're missing the whole magic and the power of it because we're just we can't even get past the opening gate. We're just like right at the door arguing over what to call this thing instead of actually being immersed in the energy of it. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, what's up? Welcome to the True Prescription Podcast. Today, I had the pleasure of talking to Ms. Libby Moore, who's best known for her role as Chief of Staff of Harpo, of Oprah's company, for over 10 years. She also worked for Maury Povich and uh, publisher Jan Wenner. So, we we had a really great conversation actually went went really deep on a lot of different topics for her professional truth she discussed money and how when you focus on how much you don't have typically you continue to not have <laughs> but when you focus on providing value to other people and you focus on your process and your product that money often flows uh, much more freely for her personal truth she talked about the story of self-acceptance and in her case uh, accepting that she was gay and then letting the world know that and sort of that process and self-acceptance and the truth of self is something we talk about on this show all the time you can't live anybody else's life you can only live your life and as I've said multiple times and quoting my guest uh, Ali Muhammad that when you're yourself when you are leverage your own self and your own story you're essentially undefeated because nobody can do what you do like you do it in terms of questions we talked about number one what is a creative connector and how she uses that to engage with her clients we talked about the strength the single strength that she saw in both in in both oprah jan and maury povich the one thing they all did well that contributed to their success number three we talked about how she helps her clients access uh their superpowers right that those things that are special specifically to them. Lastly, we just kind of talked about when she came out to the world, what was uh, what was that like? What did she have to overcome? Why did she overcome it? And was it just maturity or did something actually happen? So we touched on these things and many others. I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. I know I did. And uh, take a listen and I'll see you soon. Good people. Welcome back to True Prescription episode. I am recording today live at Metro Podcast Studios in NYC. I'm super excited. And uh, I have a great guest for you today, Miss Libby Moore. Hey, Libby. Hey, how are you, Dr. Gathers? I'm doing great. Libby hails from Berlin, Maryland. <laughs> 
And uh, when she was a child, she wanted to be a cowboy, a surfer, and an 18-wheel truck driver. (laughs) At some point, she got into comedic writing. And uh, when that didn't work out for her, she decided to fall into becoming a, I'll call it a powerhouse executive manager. She's sort of best known for her work as Oprah's chief of staff for over a decade. But she also worked with Maury Povich previous to that and publishing CEO Jan Wenner. Libby, first of all, I want to tell you that I love your logo on your website, and I'll tell you why. It's shaped like a pyramid. It just kind of is very emblematic of like, you know, climbing to reach one's highest potential. I just like the way they did the L and the M. It's really cool. I love that. The, <laughs> the woman who did that for me, Michelle, uh-huh. was in advertising for many years and she wanted me to coach her. And I said, I'll coach you if you'll do my website for me. <laughs> and she came up with that logo and she said, you know, what? tell me about yourself. I said, I love the mountains. I love hiking. So I like that she nailed it. And thank you. Thank you're you for welcome. that. I appreciate you're welcome. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it, it really encapsulates, I think, what you're trying to do, because it is a climb. It's not an elevator. It's not an escalator. <laughs> you know, right. It's a climb. That's the truth. That is the truth. <laughs> anyway, let's jump right into the truth prescription for my uh, uh, fans and listeners. You know what the show is about for anybody listening for the first time. The show is really about embracing and accepting truth. A lot of times there's things that we are unaware of or that we are afraid of or that we're uncomfortable with that we just try to ignore. And once we accept those truths in our lives, we optimize ourselves to have breakthroughs. So Libby, you want to start with personal and professional? It's up to you. I like to just roll organically. So roll what's organically. on your heart? What do you All want right. to ask me? Let's yeah. jump into the personal. Tell us a, a personal okay. a story, a personal true story around a a truth that you either were not aware of or that you were ignoring that once you accepted it, things opened up for you? Wow. Okay. I'm going to go with the first thing that popped into my head, which without a doubt is the biggest truth that I was hiding and ignoring and had the most positive effect on my life once I decided to address it. And that is that I knew I was gay since, oh my God, I don't know. It's, it's like someone saying to a straight person, when's the first time you remember you were straight? And most straight people would say, well, God, I never even thought about it. And that's exactly how I felt growing okay. up until I got until about maybe fifth grade. And you realize, and the biggest cut that you could say on someone in fifth grade was you, they would call you a faggot, homo, dyke, lesbian, right. and, lesbo. I realized, oh, okay, I kind of know what those words mean. And I've kind of felt this way my whole life. So I need to keep this a secret. And then as I got older in high school, I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone. By the time I was in college, I thought I will go to my grave with this secret. So wow. I grew up, you know, as you mentioned, Berlin, Maryland, a very lovely town, a very small conservative town on the eastern shore of Maryland. I did not know any gay people. I had no role models to look to. and so. I really just felt alone and, you know, grew up Episcopalian. I thought my my community, my family, my friends will not accept me as a gay person. That's the thought that I had in my head at a very early age. And I just kept suppressing that truth about myself Mm. until I reached, you know, in college, I gained probably 60 pounds. I mean, I weighed two. I got up to I was an athlete in high school. And then in college, I got up to um. 205 pounds. I was, I was a size 20. Wow. And, um, wow. yeah. And yeah. Go Google and, a picture of Libby Moore right now. Whoever's listening to this, <laughs> she is like rail yeah. thin. She's like 110 pounds wet. 
crazy. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> and being a vegan actually helps. But yes. uh, anyway, <laughs> so, so yeah, I gained a lot of weight because I just buried my true feelings in food and alcohol. That was yeah. kind of my go-to, food yeah. and alcohol to numb my, my feelings. And up to the point where at 21 years old, I, you know, didn't go out thinking I'm going to kill myself tonight, but that's what it escalated to after an afternoon and evening of drinking with friends. And then I was driving through the rain to another bar to meet people. And basically long story short, you know, I just, I really, I tried to end my life in a drunk driving accident. And Hmm. as I went around this curb, at the last minute, knowing this road very well, pouring rain, 30 mile an hour zone, you know, went around this curb. And at the last minute, as my foot is all the way down on the accelerator, I heard this voice that said, what are you doing? It's like, Mm. I don't even know how to describe that voice, but you know what I'm talking about? That voice, that inner voice. And just said, what are you doing? And I slammed on the brakes and I tried to take the curb, tried to take it, but my car just slid and went over the curb and slammed into a tree and I totaled my car, but I survived because I had my seatbelt on. Okay. I don't want to go on and on in the story, but basically that was 21 years old. I didn't come out until I was 27 years old and living in New York City, working at the Maury Povich show and the executive in charge of production and the executive producer at the time were both a, um, a gay man and a gay woman who were totally out in their life. And it was a non-issue. Okay. You know, I'm living in New York City. It's yeah. in the 90s. And Maury did the show called Coming Out Strong. And I locked myself in his office and watched the, the in-studio feed because I didn't want people to see me watching it because I thought they would think I was gay if I was so into the show. <laughs> right. It was so crazy. I was terrified. I yeah. was absolutely terrified to come out. And after that show, I said to myself, you know, 90 percent of what these people just said, these women uh, just said, I felt my whole life. I'm gay. And it was the first time I allowed those words in my mind, Mm. I am gay. And then I told my best friend the next day and long story short, you know, I ended up coming out and it changed my life. That's kind of a long way, but it's the most important truth of my life that what I say to people now is, um, and, and I have to say that, you know, I came out and Overall, I had a quintessential, really great coming out where my friends, my family, my parents all accepted me and said, look, we love you no matter what. Now, I could go into the details. You know, my mom had a hard time with it for for good reasons, you know, and she had to mourn the death of her dreams for me, like me marrying a man and having kids and the picket fence, la, la, la. But but that's okay. You know, I understood that. And now, I mean, it's been many years now, but she's phenomenal. And um. And I have to say, like, the weight just melted off of me. Once I came out over a period of years, the weight just melted off of me. And my career took off at that point. That Mm. is when when I started living my truth, that's when my whole life changed for the better. Yeah. So interesting. I've often heard psychiatrists describe people that gain a a lot of weight as their fat suit. And it's the way they protect themselves from the world. It sounds like... Some of that was going on with you, but I think the most beautiful thing about everything you said was that once you stay true to yourself, the fears that you will be rejected were totally unfounded because the majority of people accepted it, except for your mom and then even her eventually, you know, she, she, she accepted it. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes. And I will say that is the number one reason why I do the work that I do today, which is coaching. It's life coaching, executive coaching. It's all the same thing at the core. It's coaching is because I understand 
how detrimental it can be when we have those negative thoughts in our mind on loop, just looping, you know, whether it's, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, no one will love me if I'm gay, no one will love me if I get divorced, no one will love me if I get separated, you know, all these things. It's not just coming out as a gay by, you know, LGBTQ, it's it's not even that kind of coming out. There's so many other coming outs that there are, that people are hiding behind, but as they say, the truth will set you free. I mean, that, that cliche <laughs> is the truth. That's how I end each show. Um, oh, is it really? It is, I but I but I add oh. the part on where I say the truth will set you free if you let it, because <laughs> that's yes, the, that's right the on, part. <laughs> right on, yes, <laughs> that Amen. is the part. Okay, great. So that was a great professional truth. Uh, let's talk about your personal. I mean, you've basically worked with some heavyweights, and so mm-hmm. you have that history. And then obviously, after you um, left your last position and you went on your three hundred and sixty day sojourn, 65 days mm-hmm. sojourn, and now you're, you're mm-hmm. coaching and all that professional time. Is there something um, that you want to share with the people about a truth maybe that became clear to you? And once you accepted it, you had a breakthrough in a certain area. Mm. God, that's a good question. I would say, yeah. Okay, here it is. This is what came up. I always go with whatever pops up in my mind, the very first thing that comes. And the very first thing that came was money. And I know your listeners out there can relate to this. Everybody can. When I left the job with Oprah, that was uh, January 1st, 2012. So it's almost eight years ago. This okay. January will be eight years. Okay. I was 45 years old. I had no debt. I had savings. I had a great 401k. I had, you know, I, I was in a really good place financially. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to take a year off because I have worked my butt off. You know, I, I started working at 20 when I, I got an associate's degree in radio and television, a two-year degree. And then I started working a week after that. So, wow. and then, you know, slowly through being, being a PA executive assistant, that line of work, it's, it's very, you're on, yeah. you know, so it was Mari for three years, um, with Jan for four years and then with Oprah for 11 years. And in particular, those 11 years were just very 24 seven. And it was, phenomenal. Taxing, I mean, I could go yeah. on and on. Oh my God. Just yeah. like who gets that opportunity? It, yeah. it I, I feel like I won the career lottery for mm. sure. And yet at the end of 11 years, I was just burnt out. I yeah. was fried. So yeah. I decided to give myself a year. I called it the Libby Moore gypsy tour, 365 days of following my heart. Mm. So, and then I thought, I'll just figure out what I'm going to do next. Cause I didn't want to manage anyone's life anymore. I wanted to do something entirely different. And then I ended up getting my coaching certification and doing life coaching and executive coaching and blah, blah, blah. But it takes time to create the clientele and referrals and stuff like that. Well, I went a little too long, Dr. Gathers. <laughs> I went a little too, I just cruised. I was like, this is good. You know, I was like, oh, I'll take a little out of my 401k. I'll take a little on my savings. Oh, yeah. That and then put on my 401k, and you know, everyone says, like, Susie Ormond, like, never touch your 401k. Well, I did it, and I liked (laughs) telling this story because a lot of people think because I worked with Oprah, you know, oh, she must be a millionaire, and it's like, no, No. I went out and took a leap of faith, a leap of faith. And so, at one point, I really did hit financial bottom where, like, I went through it, you know, and I went into credit card debt a lot of it. And then I had to like climb my way out of that. So the reason why I'm saying that is, did I have to allow myself to go all the way there? No, I could have been much more prudent and practical and spending and things like that and worked harder 
at creating things. But the truth is, it's like a a wavelength is what I'm saying. It's like peaks and valleys. My point of saying all this is when, when I focused on the money, like, oh my God, there's no money or what's going to happen next. It got worse. And this voice would come and say, focus on the content. Don't worry about the money. The money will take care of itself. Your job is to focus on the content and how you're working with people and the money will come. And that is the absolute truth. That's exactly what happened. When I focused on what was not there, I got more of what's not there. And when I quickly like refocused my thought energy and what I was doing and the practical action steps to get to where I wanted to go, then of course the money came in through these kind of like mysterious, magical avenues. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. You have a lot of voices talking to you (laughs) that tell tell you you good things. No, I know. We all do, We do. We do. Do you? I do. And we're going to get to that. I have a question about that okay, later. Good. Right. So stop focusing on the the income and, and really just focus on the quality of not only building your clientele, but what you're actually, how are you going to add value to their, to their lives? Yes. And, so. and, and in a very general, broad stroke, I would say it's such a classic lesson. Stop focusing on the lack and focus on what you do have. So when I'm working with clients, I would say, I always start with every single call tell me the top three best things that are happening in your life or three things you're grateful for. Whatever pops into your head with no editing. And if that means I'm grateful for this this coffee in my hand right now, I'm grateful for clean sheets in my bed. I'm grateful for a home, a car. I'm grateful for the gas in my car. That's the key point right there is refocus on what you do have and be grateful for it. It's almost like I talk about this sometimes. You're coming from a position of not of lack, but of abundance. Because a lot of times, you know, when we're on our, our journey, the underpinning of it is we need to do X thing because we're not good enough now. This is total BS. And I think when you start to just feel like, hey, you know what? I'm abundant now. Even if it is, I woke up this morning, I saw my daughter and she smiled at me. Mm. Then that creates, it, it is an energetic shift that happens that just allows more flow to you. So I completely yes. agree with that. That's something that it's taken me a long time to accept that because so many of my successes were really based on the fact of I'm not good. So I need to get this and I'm not good. So Mm. I need to get that. And I succeeded Mm -hmm. there. But once I got there, I was still feeling not sufficient or not adequate. So it's it's interesting. Okay. So let's jump into some questions. On your website, you talk about being a creative connector. Talk about what that means and how you use that to engage with your clients. That has a double meaning. I love that you asked that question. So the obvious, which I think a lot of people think when they see that is, oh, she worked, you know, with Oprah at the Oprah Winfrey show and at Rolling Stone and with Mari and she's done this and that. So she must be, if she's going to work with me and we're going to collaborate, maybe she'll connect me to people that she's (laughs) known over the past, right? I think I get a lot of uh, emails (laughs) about that. So in some cases, that is true. I mean, it's it's rare, but if I'm working with someone and I do some consulting and advising and things like that, and I feel like, wow, this is a win-win. It's a win for this person I know, and it's a win for this startup or this entrepreneur. I'm going to connect them. Of course I would do that. Why wouldn't okay. I? Because it's a win-win for, for both people. Okay. Now, the, the more dominant creative connector is when I'm working with people, this is what I love. It's really what I'm doing. And I tell each and every person I work with, I'm not teaching you anything new. 
I'm reminding you what you already know mm. that's gotten lost in the chaos and swirl of life. Yes. So when I'm working with people, I would say at some point um, in that intro call, do you believe in a higher energy? Some people call it God. Some mm. people call it energy. Some people call it universe. Some people say, I don't believe in any of that. I think it's me and my decisions and that's it. So there's no right or wrong answer. What, where do you fall in this, this line of belief, if anything? And then we have that conversation and there's not been one person, like there was one guy who said, I don't believe in anything. I think it's mm. my decisions and that's it. And I yeah. said, so do you believe that you make good decisions and bad decisions? Yes. Could we call your good decision-making higher intelligence and your bad decision-making lower intelligence? Mm. Yes. So what would you call just for a word or um, when you make those higher decisions from a higher place, higher intelligence, you said possibility. I was like, right on. Okay. And so when I work with this guy, I use the word possibility. Got it. Now with another person, they say, I believe in God. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and God is my man. Okay. And I say, great. So God is the term that I use with that person. Now we, I work the exact same way with both of those people. One person I'm using the word possibility. The other one I'm using the word God. I believe both of them and the energy of that. And so what I'm doing to answer your question is I'm helping realign and reconnect them with that part of themselves, whether it's God or possibility. That's the creative connection. They're not detached from it. It's always there. I mirror back to them how they realign and recalibrate with that higher energy. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And then that's the creative connection. Yeah, got it. And that that's that's great. That actually answered one of my <laughs> my other questions which uh, was kind of along the same lines, which is like, you know, how do you teach? Because you talk a lot about in your story when you sent uh, writing samples to Rosie O'Donnell for 10 months. And then, you know, mm -hmm. you said, you know what, I'm just going to submit. It's not working. I'm going to submit and release to the universe a prayer for guidance, yeah. right? So when you're dealing with clients who sort of have no understanding or perspective, right, of that, how do you yes. teach submission or the idea of releasing something to the universe? And you just answered it. Basically, you just yes. talk to them in their own language, you know, whatever that means, yes. how it translates. Right on. Right. I love that you just said that, Dr. Gathers, yeah. because that is the key. Yeah. Talk to them in their own language, yeah. meaning, you know, when I was raised Episcopalian, you are raised to believe A, B, and C, and that's it. And if you don't believe in this, you're not going to, to heaven and la, la, la. Now, I, what I've learned, because I'm 53 years old, over the years and being exposed to all these different spiritual teachers, my God, working by Oprah's side for 11 years, yeah. having my own personal journey of going to a faith healer in Brazil, going to, God, so many places like uh, the Omega Institute in upstate New York and taking workshops and doing meditation and all this stuff, creative visualization by Shakti Gawain, different books. I believe in past lives, just really exploring all those things. What I believe is that we are all talking about the same thing and arguing over what to call it. So therefore, yeah. we're missing the whole magic and the power of it because we're just, we can't even get past the opening gate. We're just like right at the door arguing over what to call this thing instead of actually being immersed in the energy of it. Yeah, semantics. Yes. Semantics. That's the ego. It's the ego needs yeah. to have it put, you know, in its particular form that makes it feel comfortable. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, so when I'm talking with people individually, I find out what their language is and I speak in their language. And when I'm doing a, a speaking engagement or a talk somewhere, 
I say, God, source, universe, whatever energy, your higher intelligence, whatever it is you call it, that's what I want you to call it. Yeah. And then I go in and, and do the talk and then they can sift through the languaging for themselves based yeah. on whatever they believe. Perfect. Quick question. So you, you talk a lot about, and listen to a couple of your interviews, you talk a lot, a lot about accessing or um, helping people to access their superpowers. Mm-hmm. Give my listeners some tips on how they can assess and access those things. So I feel the most obvious and the most basic thing is breathing. So obviously you got up this morning, your alarm goes off, you get out of bed, you brush your teeth, you know, you do your thing. You're not even thinking, oh, I need to breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. No, it's just how you were, you were made naturally you're breathing. And what I find is that when we get super stressed, if we're at work and we're maxed out or we're stressed or someone's yelling at us, or we're even in a, with our partner and the person's yelling or you're in an argument, whatever it is that's stressing you out you're getting angry. The key, it's so Fisher Price. It's so basic. I like, I love that term. I like breaking things down into the most Fisher Price way so that anybody can do it. And it's really about when you feel yourself, the anxiety building, you feel the stress coming on. That's the simmer point. You want to get it right there. So you do three deep breaths in and slow exhales out. So Deep breath in through your nose, hold it for a second, and a slow exhale out through your mouth or nose, whatever's more comfortable. And if your mind is still spinning about that thing, then you count on the in-breath. One, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. You get to about five, and then you slow exhale on the way out, counting on the way down. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. You do that three in a row. And what's happening physiologically is when you're stressed, your brain is producing cortisol. So you're feeling anxious and more anxious and it's building on itself. But when you take a deep breath and a slow exhale, your body is telling your mind we're safe, we're okay. So the brain turns off the release, the chemical cortisol, it turns it off. So you feel better. Also, those three deep breaths and slow exhales take about maybe 30 seconds, because let's say 10 seconds on each inhale and exhale, that buys you enough time to clear your head, clear your head, all the jumbled thoughts in your head, or that voice saying you're not good enough, you're not worthy, what are you doing in this job? It gives you time to clear all that. By the time you've done the third exhale, boom, you're in alignment with God, source, universe, this higher frequency, a higher intelligence, whatever you want to call it, you're in that alignment. And that is where it's almost like I imagine it as you're tapping into this portal, this white light, almost this portal that comes down into the crown of your head, the top of your head. And that portal is attached to this field around us, this electromagnetic field. And in that field is every answer, solution, creativity, inspiration, idea, everything is there, but it's waiting to come down to you. Yeah. Once you get all the jumbledness and the chaos out of your head, does that make sense? Perfect sense. Perfect sense. Yeah. It's so simple, right? It's so Fisher Price. But if you do this <laughs> throughout the day, all day long, it will change your life. I promise you. Have you found that you work with clients who never meditated, never breathe, and you just taught them this simple thing and so many things opened up for them? Yes, actually a lot of people, I'd say most <laughs> of the people that I work with have never med- meditated. And um, many of them are very 
cerebral and practical and you need to prove it to me. That's not science, which mm. is interesting because I'm the opposite of that. I'm really like, <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm the opposite of that. And, um, but we're able to figure out the languaging and work on it and say, just try it, you know, try it the next time you feel like you're getting angry with someone that you work with, or you can feel that simmer coming on, do the deep breaths and slow exhales. And, and so when they do it, and they have a positive result, then they go, oh, okay, now I see what you're talking about. So there's another thing that I'll share with you. It's so simple, again. So let's say you need to have a conversation with someone you work with, and it's going to be a difficult conversation. Oh, yeah. Had you one know of those it just recently, be- yeah. Did you? Yes. <laughs> and haven't we all, right? Because we, it's, it's no different. It, even at Harpo or the Oprah Winfrey show where you think everyone's enlightened and, you know, evolved. It's like, no, it's 800 people who are bringing their childhood dynamics into a work setting <laughs> and there's going to be issues there. So, but it's normal. It's in every company in the world, big and small. So let's say you have to have a difficult conversation with someone at work or even your partner or a child or anybody in your life. So I just share this simple thing. What you do is before you are about to have this conversation, before you go into that person's office or vice versa, you do your three deep breaths and slow exhales to get you in that calm state. Your mind is clear. Three deep breaths, slow exhales. And then to this higher, higher self, whether it's your higher self, God, source, higher energy, higher vibration, whatever you want to call that, this higher place, you say, Thank you for speaking through me to Sarah, let's just say. Mm. Thank you for speaking to me to Sarah. Thank you for using me and speaking through me from your heart to my heart, my heart to Sarah's heart, Sarah's heart to your heart, and back around again. Whatever Sarah most needs to hear in this conversation, thank you for speaking through me. And then I imagine this white light of energy, a higher vibration of energy flowing from above down into my heart out into Sarah's heart and back up again. So can you imagine that in your mind? Yes. Yep. yep. And that circular white light flowing through the three hearts. And then you reverse it and you say, and thank you for using Sarah, you know, and speaking through Sarah, whatever I most need to hear in this conversation. Thank you for speaking through her from your heart to her heart, Sarah's mm. heart, Sarah's heart to my heart, my heart to your heart and back around again. And then I imagine this circular energy, this white light energy flowing from above down into the two hearts, into the other heart and back up again. And I'm telling you, it's so Fisher Price. It's so simple, but something (laughs) powerful and magical happens when you send out that prayer, that intention, whatever you want to call it. And then you go into the person's office and you have the conversation. And I promise you, 9.9 times out of 10, you'll look back and say, wow. That was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're setting yourself up like with some inner, um, I call it like solidity, like just really Mm -hmm. solid and calm. And, and as you say, speaking from source in those moments, you can really kind of, kind of speak your truth. This it's so difficult, especially we had to have a conversation recently with uh, someone in a business that I'm working in and it's a friend, but we still had some, you know, I call it constructive feedback. (laughs) 
you know, to, uh-huh. to give yes. him, to give him or her. And it, it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy. Yeah. I, tr- I tried to, I'm going to try that technique next time though. I, I just tried to be a little kind of humorous up front and just state the, state the facts of, of things, but yes. it still was very uncomfortable. And you know, what's interesting. And of course it is. It's not like if you do the set, this intention and you go in and do it, it doesn't mean, I mean, sometimes you might feel super comfortable, but it's like, Ooh, this is awkward, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But, but what's interesting is one, we're all energy. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I don't really know how to articulate, articulate this from a scientific standpoint. I just know from my own personal experience, it works. And since we do learn in, in like high school that we're all made up of atom cells and molecules, I mean, almost nobody disputes that, that, you know, when we think of thought that creates a feeling, that feeling is an information that goes into our atom cells and molecules. Our atom cells and molecules are moving constantly. That's called energy. That energy is rippling out to the universe. And what you send out, you get back. So if you set that intention before you go into the conversation, that energy, that information, like, hey, I'm coming in peace. I want you to hear what you need to hear. I want me to hear what I need to hear. And we're going to take this conversation to a higher level, a higher frequency, a higher vibration, higher intelligence. You're setting that tone and then that she or he will feel that energy before you even put your hand on the doorknob to walk into their office Mm. because we're all energy beings. We're receiving signals from each other. Yeah. It's a real thing. I don't know how many of my listeners or or if you, Libby, have read the book uh, Celestine Prophecy. Have you ever read that? I have not. No. It's an interesting. Did you read it? Yeah, I read it um, some years ago. But it's an interesting book. But it, it's it, it's fictionalized story of this guy that goes to South America to discover these truths. But the first five or six truths is all about how we as energetic beings not only affect each other, but we feed off each other. We we affect mm-hmm. each other. It's 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 so so interesting. Um, yeah, you should you should definitely check it out if if you can. And anybody listeners listening, you should you should definitely check it out. All right, cool. Let's let's jump into the next question. You know, you've worked with some, uh, I guess I'll call them heavy hitters. You know, Jan, Maury, and, and Oprah are all mm-hmm. successful sort of in their own right. If you could choose one attribute or one thing you feel that contributed most uh, potently to their success, what, what would that thing be? If you could distill it down to like one thing. For all three of them? For all three of them. This is what popped up into my head. They all hired exceptionally talented people who Mm. are exceptionally good at the job they were hired to do. Mm. So they surrounded themselves with extremely smart, talented, gifted people, each one of them, without a doubt. I mean, Mari, and what's so interesting is he, I had no executive assistant or personal assistant experience when I interviewed with him. I was 25 years old. I just moved from Boulder, Colorado. I actually interviewed with his assistant at the time to be his driver. They were looking for a chauffeur. It was like 1990. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Isn't that Interesting. Funny? That is funny. I think funny. it was 1992. I was like, geez, do I even have my license still? I, <laughs> I don't know. I was just, I was a little bit of a hooligan too in my 20s. But I interviewed for that. And they said, if we're interested, we'll call you to come in for a test drive. They called me the next day. I said, you know, I really appreciate it, but I don't think I could, if I get the job, I don't think I could be his driver for a year. I would get bored. But if something else comes, comes in, let me know. Cause I, I really like you guys. I would love to work at the company. Yeah. And I think a month later, his assistant had gotten promoted into a different department and called me and said, do you want to come in and interview to be Maury's personal assistant? And that's how I got the job. Wow. So for anyone listening, it's a really 
great thing to just go in and do the interview. And, you know, you get to choose too. It's not just like, oh, give me this job with the driver position, for example. I was like, yeah, I'll go check that out. And then when they called and said, we want you to come in, I thought, well, I don't really think that's the right fit. But that was the thing that got me in the door and got me a meeting with the assistant. So I got the job. And, and what I will say is that my point of starting all that was that his director, Joe Terry, went on to be the director at the Oprah Winfrey Show for many, many years. Wow. Mari's associate producer, Jill Van Lokeren, went on to be a producer at Oprah and is went on to be one of the top executives in her com- company. So there are a lot of people, there's people at CNN that came out of Mari. I mean, Mari was just an incredible place to work. And mm. he just really, you know, supported his team. And every year we have a 10 year reunion where he rents a restaurant, invites everybody, no matter what oh, you're from. Wow. Yeah. Producers to maintenance. It's like, if you work at the Maury Povich show, we're doing a reunion at this restaurant, dinner's on me, drinks on me. It's so much fun. Oh, it's that's great. so nice. Wow. Yes. So he, they all three hired very talented, exceptional people. And then with, when I got to the Oprah Winfrey show in particular, they hired the best in the business from New York, LA, all over the country, and they paid them well. They mm. took care of their people. Right. So the people that came there just went above and beyond to do the best job because they loved being a part of that mission of yeah. the Oprah Winfrey Show. Yeah, that's a that's a great pearl. Mm-hmm. My last question. So you came out to your family at 27, right? What was the catalyst? You know, what was the decision and you know, sort of, you talked about a little bit earlier, but uh, how do you think you ever overcame that fear? Was it just maturity or did something specific happen? I will say that it was moving to New York City. So okay. I grew up in this little town of 3,000 people, very conservative, as I said. Then I went to school outside of Boston, lived in that area for about five years, then moved to Boulder, Colorado for two years. And, you know, when I moved to Boulder, I remember thinking, I think Boulder's like a hippie town. Maybe there's gay <laughs> people there. I mean, that was the thought in my head that I would never dream to say out loud. And then, so it was already like in my head. And then when I got to New York at 25 and I started working with, um, really, it was it was the Maury Povert show, I have to say. So the, again, Diane Rappaport was the executive producer at the time. She was an out lesbian there was another woman, another guy, you know, that, that just, it was a non-issue. I'd never lived in a city like New York that was so open, welcoming and diverse. Mm. I grew up, I learned so much. And so to see these people out, that's again, why I feel if you are a gay person or bi or whatever your uh, sexuality is, it's not that you have to go around saying, Hey, I'm gay. It's about just you living your life. So not pretending like you have a boyfriend, if you have a girlfriend and you're a woman or vice, you know what I mean? Because, and why, and then that argument that people would say, well, it's nobody's business who I'm sleeping with. Well, I mean, of course (laughs) it isn't, but like, you don't have to hide whether you're with, it's not about who you're sleeping with. It's about who is your partner. I mean, so for me, the fact that these three people at the Maury Povich show were just simply out. Everyone knew they were gay. It was a non-issue. They brought their partners to the Christmas party or the holiday party or this or that, you know, that was education for me. It showed me that it's okay to be yourself and you can be successful and loved and appreciated and respected. That was the best thing for me to see that. So really, so then when Maury did that show coming out strong with these five gay women yeah. and I, <laughs> you know, watched it, that was it. That yeah. show again, Thank you, Maury Povich. 
and the producers of that show because that was education for me to say, yes, this is how I felt my whole life. And now I, I believe I have the courage to come out. And I told one of my best friends the next day. And she was incredibly supportive. Yeah. So that's that was it for me. It's interesting because I talk a lot about um, the importance of environment. And um, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it sounds like. You know, once you got out of, you know, your small town or once you got out of Boulder, you were kind of like, oh, this is actually normal. You know, when you, yes. you know, that old, that old adage, if you can, if you can see it, then you can believe it, then you can do it. Yes. It's just, it's yes. just like, oh, Absolutely. okay. This is like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's why yes. somebody like some of the people you work with are so important because people can physically see them, touch them, taste them, smell them and realize, oh, this is possible. Like I can actually do that. Yes. Yeah. No, Absolutely. And, and I want to add, you know, one of the reasons why Oprah became as popular and beloved as she is today is because she was so open and honest about yeah. her personal life, yeah. her experiences, the highs, the lows, um, the good decisions, the bad decisions. That is why everyone just gravitated to the Oprah show for 25 years, because they could see someone being themselves, 100 percent their authentic self. And people respond to that, that truth. Yeah. So that. That really is is one of her superpowers is just being her authentic self and um, mirroring that for other people to be that themselves. Yeah, I think at the core we all want to do that, and so mm-hmm. it's in, it's inspiring when we see someone who does it, um, even though maybe we don't do it all the time. <laughs> you yes, know, it's inspiring, and that's what I think. That's what leadership is about: it's being a living embodiment of what's real and what's true for you. And other people yes. can see that and possibly follow. It's not about, you know, listen to me because I'm, you know, I'm over you and, and, I, and I'm in charge yeah. of you and I'm this dictator. And it's 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 a sort of a different way to lead. Do you mind if I ask you a, qu- a question? Yeah, I don't care. Let's do it. What was your catalyst? I read on your bio that you went through some personal hardships. What was yeah. the turning point for you to really tell your truth? Two things happened simultaneously in the same like three months. And I was like, okay. The, you know, universe was like, all right, dude, you know, you have a choice. Either you're going to take care, learn how to take care of yourself or you're going to die. The, you, you, those are your mm. two choices. So choose mm-hmm. one, choose one. Basically, I was in a, I was married before. I was in a really, um, I'll just call it challenging, difficult relationship. And sort of at the same time as that relationship was devolving, I uh, contracted hepatitis from a patient. The treatment for hepatitis is essentially, at that, particularly at that time, is essentially um, chemo. It's like chemotherapy. So, mm. you know, every day I'm losing a ton of weight. Every day I'm very, very sick, nauseous, not eating, losing my hair. Is you know, I just when people see pictures of me during that time, they're like, "Are you? Is this the same person?" <laughs> you know, we're looking. I look mm-hmm. like I was 13, literally. It was a it was a literal thing of. The relationship was something that was not nurturing, but I also on the other side needed to be consistent with my regimen and take care of myself. So I had to mm-hmm. choose to sort of deal with the, uh, the the harshness in the relationship or care, be, you know, basically care for myself and take care of myself. And that's what I ended up doing. I ended up taking care of myself. You know, my, my wife at the time, you know, left. And when at some point, a couple of days after she left, we had a really hard discussion and she called me and basically said, you know, when can I come back or when do you think I can come back? And the honest truth was this was not a relationship that was compatible with uh, healthy living. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had to say no. And saying no, I said yes to 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 myself. I, I, I do talk. I have a little 
blurb or I talk about this um, maybe about four or five months ago, but that was the turning point for me, you know, choosing me and um, my yeah. whole life. I always talk about this, how, you know, our whole lives, really everybody, if you think about it, you know, you grow up in a family. Yeah, there's a culture. They kind of tell you how to behave and what to do. Then you go to school. The school tells you what time to get there, what time to leave, what study, what what to study. That is sort of the the the, the pattern all the way through adulthood. And then even when you're at, when you work for someone, they tell you when to arrive, when to leave, and what to do. And so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of time for an individual unless they you know have some consciousness or are taught consciousness to figure out well what the hell do I want to do. <laughs> You know, yes. where the hell do I want to go? What do I want to learn? Right. What do I want to eat? Mm-hmm. How do I want to think? And so that was the that was the process for me of saying, okay, now it's time for me to figure out what Sekou really wants and um, and to go after it. That started my journey. I went to acting school, which was liberating as hell because it was the first time I could stand somewhere and speak and learn how to speak my truth without any adulteration. Just, you know, because when you're performing and you're doing a character, if it's going to be something that's worth watching, you have to co- completely be truthful and completely be immersed in that character, whatever's going on with that character. And so I, mm-hmm. I really, re- you know, regained and retained and obtained a voice and learned how to just really, really speak and communicate. And that really translated into, then I started doing films and I started doing this podcast and, you know, doing a few other things and businesses. So that's a long answer to a short question, but that was <laughs> that was the that was the, the the point for me when I had to make that choice. Yes, I'm so happy you did. And I God, don't we all know that point where the person is saying, Okay, let's try this again or okay, let's <laughs> right. do this and you're like, I can't. And yeah. it just takes so much courage. Yeah. I say all the time that if it wasn't for my illness, I may still have been in that toxic relationship because mm-hmm. there was no impetus for me to, to move. And I had a, you know, a self-conversation that said that my role was basically to take care of others and do whatever they needed. And I, my yeah. needs my needs weren't important. And so mm-hmm. when that's your program, then shit, you can do, you can stay anywhere. You can do anything, yes. you know? You yes. Know? On, and, and on top of that, and I've talked about this in other shows, I was a uh, I had an experience with um, being assaulted as a young child. And so all those things mm. sort of informed my behavior up to that point. And so that mm-hmm. was the point that, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do something different because either if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be here anymore. Absolutely. I'm with you. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 43. 43 and yeah. I'm 53. Yeah. And I'm, you've probably mentioned that before, but I just wanted to say to people listening that also all of those personal and professional experiences that you've had that you talk about in your podcast and Mm -hmm. the personal and professional stories that I'm talking about now, it's still adding to the recipe of who we will become. So meaning with, with social media and, you know, I, I actually work with some people in their early twenties who are just out of college and just starting to work and they're devastated because they're, they're just feel like failures. I'm like, Oh my God, I just, God bless them. You know, they, they don't understand that Instagram isn't real. (laughs) Like some of those pictures are, but not most. And they're all just Mm -hmm. like, there's such a pressure on them. What's cool is that at 53, I'm still figuring out 
where I'm headed. And yeah. I'm so excited about that by being in alignment with that thing that we're talking about, like yeah. right on. All right. Show me the way, like, where can I best serve today? Yeah. You know, people are like, tell, I used to pray, tell me, show me what my purpose is and I'll quit my job and I'll go do it. I think that's a very common message that people send to the universe or prayer that goes out. And what I realized, what helped change my life is when I started saying, show me where I can best serve today. And I don't mm. even mean in a religious sense. I mean, where can I go and make someone laugh or be helpful or just in an organic conversation, help someone see who they are, see the light within them, help me to reflect the light back to this person. Yeah. And if we all do that on a daily basis, then 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we're looking back and going, oh, that's what our purpose is, or oh, <laughs> that's why we're here on earth. Does <laughs> that make sense? Absolutely. No, it's, yeah. it's what you, I mean, essentially what you're talking about is the journey. It's a journey. Um, 100%. There's no destination. And uh, similar to you, I'm still learning and figuring things out and, and, and excited to see what's going to happen tomorrow. I think some people, <laughs> they, they get to a point and like, all right, this, you know, I, I mean, I have people like that in my own family who's like, all right, I'm yes. here, I'm this age and that this is it. I'm done. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, it's unfortunate. When you said the prescription, you know, like we, we go to school, we're told what time to arrive, when yeah. to leave, what to do, yeah. work, when to arrive, when to leave. Yeah. I, I'm so with you on that. One of the things I started doing uh, maybe four years ago, I decided to start doing the opposite. No, this actually happened when I left the show. When okay. I So during the Libby Moore Gypsy tour, and I noticed people started telling me, oh, you can't do that. You can't take a year off because people will forget about who you are. Mm. And something in me, that voice that we talked about earlier, which we all have that dominant voice, yeah. yes. said, if people forget about me, then I'm not supposed to be their Rem friend remembered. or working with them. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. That's fine. They move on to their thing and I move on to my thing. You know, but but in the entertainment world, this one really great friend of mine who I admire very much said, you cannot take a year off. And I said, well, I'm going to take a year off. So in that moment, I decided I'm going to start doing the opposite of what everyone says you have to do. And yeah. let me tell you, Dr. Gathers, it has been one of the best things I've ever done. Mm. It's so liberating. So wow. when people say you have to, like you have to be on Facebook, oh really? Then I'm never gonna be on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, when I when I left the Oprah show, people said, okay, I get it. You couldn't do it because of security reasons with travel and blah, blah, blah with Oprah and her, her um, stuff. But, but now you have to be on Facebook. And I said, well, then I'm not going to be on Facebook. And yeah. now it's been almost eight years and people basically hate Facebook and yeah. say, the only reason I'm on it is to keep up with friends and family and what they're doing, their pictures. But I feel like it's a drain. It's toxic. I don't feel good when I get off of it. That yeah. is the primary thing that I hear over and over. Wow. And that's in less than eight years. I mean, I started hearing that three years ago. So if you really, when people say you have to do this, if everyone can just hear that, oh, there's the trigger word, you have to, and yeah. really question that. Yeah. No. Really question that. Yeah. yeah. Or change question, your life. Question everything. I just want to make a quick point. I'm not, and, and I'm sure you're not either. I'm not, when I say what I say about school and jobs and so forth, I'm not disparaging employment at all. I mean, that's not, right. that's not what I'm saying. I have gone to many schools <laughs> for, for yes. long, long periods of time. And I also... Um, have worked, you know, as an employee for people. I currently work less. I still work, but I work more in a freelance uh, fashion. 
But I still have people that tell me where to be and, and, and how long I need to be there. Now, for me, I know that I'm working towards getting out of that because that's just my my soul. My soul mm-hmm. knows that that's I have something else I need to, to be doing. But for people mm-hmm. who are, you know, who go to work and work somewhere 30 years, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with it is if your soul, your spirit is asking you to do something else and you stay there anyway. That's all I'm that's that's all I'm trying to say. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. 100%. Yeah. So uh, Libby, you ready to jump into yes or BS? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> all right. So basically, I'm going to make a statement. You say yes or BS, and then you can mm-hmm. expound. Or if you feel it's self-explanatory, you can, we can just move on. Number one, Libby Moore will one day again write sitcom comedy. Ooh. Well, I would say yes, but okay. it won't. I don't know that it'll be sitcom comedy. Okay. I, I think it'll be writing for sure, but not sure about the sitcom comedy stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I know your answer to this. Number two, <laughs> mistakes should be rebranded as checkpoints. One hundred percent, yes. <laughs> okay. I, I think there's a lot of rebranding that could be going on, like uh, ADD should be rebranded as attention to dynamic discoveries. Mm. And it's about managing those discoveries. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. All right. Mm -hmm. Number three. This one's a little controversial. Mm, Bring it. Religion can stifle flow. Yes. In some cases. Okay. I absolutely believe that. Not all, not everyone. Yet there I'll use myself as an example, growing up and being told that the Bible says gays are sinners is BS, 100%. We don't need to go on and on, but that's my feeling. Yeah. Got it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. Yeah, Yeah, controversy. Bring it. Straight up. (laughs) Number four. Intuition can be taught. Yes. Well, I, it's a yes. And this is why I'm hesitating Mm -hmm. because every single human being is born with intuition. Everybody. It gets almost like, um, ah, that's who, who, that's magic. That's not real. Everybody. It's an internal GPS. It's your navigational system. It's your connection to source, higher energy, higher frequency, blah, blah, blah. We could go on and on. But I, I believe that people get, like I said, get lost in the chaos and swirl of life and think they don't have it. And yet it's just about reactivating it. And you can reactivate it through the breath immediately. 3D breath, slow exhales, boom, you're in that clean, clear place, which is truth. That is your truthful place right there. That's intuition. Beautiful. Number five, coaching is easier than stand up. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I would say, yes, I would say that. For me, it comes more naturally than doing stand-up. Stand-up is very difficult. Indeed it is. For me, yeah. Shout out. <laughs> I have a, a cousin who's a stand-up comedian. I've, it's tough. His name's Damien. It's tough. It's mm. tough. Mm. Bless you, Damien. <laughs> Damien Lemon. May the force be with you. May the yes. force be with you, D. Lemon. All right. Number yeah. six, distractions can lead us toward our life purpose? I'll say yes. Mm. I'll say yes. It depends. If you're saying that crack 
is a distraction, I would say BS. <laughs> Very good. 100% Very good. straight Very good. up. Very good. That is not going to help you. No. If you're saying, you know, like I was on the path the, uh, to write, like you said earlier, to, for Rosie O'Donnell, I was yeah. convinced I had laser focused. I would not even look at anything else. I'm going to be a comedy writer for Rosie O'Donnell. It wasn't happening. When the Oprah opportunity came in, I was like, hells yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. If that's a distraction, like my God. Yeah. It was like, I was hyper-focused. I had blinders on. I only saw this as my dream. Yeah. And then this came in and I just went, wow, that's it. And it changed my entire life and still does to this day. We, we wouldn't even be having this interview had yeah. I not worked with her. So, yeah. yes. I put these questions in there because they're tough questions, right? Because yeah. obviously we need to be focused on our goals um, in, yes. order, in order to grow them and actually have them become reality. But then when do we know to, or when is the time to allow something else to take our attention that may be the actual path? So it's, it's tough. Mm, it's tough. It's, it's a, tough. It's a tricky question. It's a it trick is. question kind it of is. because, um, the, yeah, that's a good one. Because yeah. the other thing is, um, you know, I, I was kind of like in flow, like flow goes, flow is always there. If you're, if you want to be in it, it's, it's our mind that takes us, distracts us, gets us off course. Like at one point I was dating someone, we, we were drinking a lot. It was a total distraction. Mm. I got completely off course, yeah. not because of that person. It was because of me. Right. And I had to like, get back on track and go, okay, that does not work for me. <laughs> so that right. completely took me off track for yeah. a while, you know, and then I was back on track. Yeah. Number seven. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when it feels good, keep doing it. <sighs> These are tough <laughs> questions. <laughs> These are, I'm getting distracted here. I know. Um, <laughs> getting distracted <laughs> by the distractions. Of these questions. You know what's funny? I have to say this too, because uh, yeah. my partner and my friends say that they're like, God, you're so literal. You know, yeah. I, I'm a very literal person. So right. and now I've even forgotten the question. What was number seven the again? Question, the question was when it feels oh, good. If it feels good. Keep doing it. I, that's a really I have to say, I can't <laughs> say yes or BS for that one because it yeah. depends. Right. Again, if it's like, oh, drinking too much, drinking too much alcohol right. or drugs or whatever. It's like, no, like in the moment it might feel good, but that yeah. is not going to help you get to your life's purpose, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, when I'm doing talks, I love going to companies and doing talks or doing conferences. When I'm on stage and I'm sharing my personal and professional experiences, even yeah. when I'm super vulnerable on stage and saying, yeah, I tried to end my life because I thought blah, 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 you know, I feel like I'm high when yeah. I get off stage. It feels so good. And that's saying, Libby, keep going. This is, you're in the right direction. Yeah. I think what I was trying to get at with this question was that word feels, right? And it's really about yeah. what is it that feels good? Right? Correct. That's the real key. Yes. So when you're on stage and you're sharing and you're in that flow and that feels good, yeah. I think that's yeah. a good place. When you're drinking yourself to a pulp and that feels sort of good for the moment until the yeah. next day, yes, that's probably not it. There's an energy that you feel when you do the breathing or when you do meditate. Like I, I, I get up in the mornings and meditate every day. And mm -hmm. there's a certain, I'll just call it frequency that you're at uh, in those moments. That feels good. But then if I go and say overeat or eat the wrong thing, that feels good too. But it's not really yes. good. So it's, it's yes. really, really dissecting as a, as a person, you know, who's, who's trying to search and, and get better day in and day out. What is this really feeling? What is this really serving? What is this feeling good? This good feeling I'm having? What is it really serving in me? 
And so that was, uh, that's why I put that one in there. Because people will say, well, how do you differentiate between right. the good and the you know, bad feeling? Yep. Is, you can quickly ask yourself, is this, this feels good right now in the moment. Right. Is this going to help me go, take me higher in my life? Like you said, Perfect. higher frequency. Perfect. Is it going to take me higher and Perfect. be a good thing for me? Or ultimately, is this going to bring me down and be a lower thing? That's it. It's a yes or no. Yeah, yeah. no, that was perfect. You're right. You're, that was perfect. Thank you. All right. Number eight, work-life balance is not possible on high-functioning teams. Oh, God, that's a good one. I, it de- I have to say, it depends on what your role is. I, I think it's possible. I'm going to say BS. Here's okay. why. Okay. I think anything's possible. I think absolutely anything is possible. And if there isn't a solution or an answer, we just haven't found it yet, but it's there. It's in the ether. It's about waiting for one of us to tap in and bring it down. Okay. I believe it is possible. And it starts with you. It starts with you. We could go on for an hour about that subject, but I believe it's possible. You talked about one of the reasons that you left your last position was because basically you were just burnt and there was no work-life balance. And so that's kind of why I asked that, that, and you answered that you think, you know, maybe, I mean, you, you may not ever do that again, but if you did or you were presented with the opportunity, you probably have better tools now to actually make that happen. I actually coach people who have similar roles that I had wow. and help them have a work-life balance because of how I had no balance. Got I'm it. like, okay, this is how I did it. And this is how you can do it. And I've seen people actually have a work-life balance implementing those, you know, ways of having a balance. It's never going to be like, yes, 100% of the time. It's always like a seesaw, <laughs> right. Right? Right, right? So it's like one side is up. Like, hey, my personal life is great, but work's suffering a little bit. And then sometimes it's like work is amazing, but my personal life is suffering. But it's about kind of keeping the seesaw in the middle where it's going up and down a little, but it's not way out of alignment. Does Got that it. make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Number nine, perception is not reality. Wow, these are so good. <laughs> Perception is not reality. I would have to say, again, it depends. Okay. I'm right in the middle on that. It depends okay. on what it is, who it is, what the situation is. Yeah. Well, you know, people always say perception is reality. And to a certain degree, I agree with that. But I think if you take it literally, uh, well, you know, you're right. It depends because your perception actually may be right on, but your perception also may be right off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's right so. that's a good point yes i've been in that situation right oh yes. definitely me too i was just quick quick note i was taking care of a patient yesterday and um i was talking to her and she was like answering me very like almost like she was trying to hide something and um mm-hmm. come to find out the reason was that she had had a stroke and it's difficult for her to find words and wow. once I found that out, I, first of all, felt like a jerk, you know, and then second of all, had the utmost amount of compassion for her. But again, it goes mm-hmm. back to my perception in the first three, four minutes of talking to this woman is that, you know, she's trying to hide something from me. She's being evasive. Mm-hmm. You know, she has some agenda. And I was, you know, I was completely wrong. So, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. So the one the, the one I took out of here was... <laughs> <laughs> was Libby Moore could be a White House chief of staff. <laughs> yes. 
I love that you added that because I was so curious. BS. Isn't that interesting? This is the only one that I had a clear yes or BS for, I think. BS. Yeah. yeah, For several reasons. Yeah. For several reasons. Number one. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I will say, number one, it just does not interest me. I don't care who's in the White House. It does not interest me. I feel like working with Oprah Winfrey to me, I've been to the mountaintop. Like there's not another person on earth after spending that time with her. And she's just such an extraordinary person and just her heart and her generosity and her intelligence and everything that I gathered from that. It's, it was time for me to go out and, you know, share that experience in another form, but to go to the White House, oh my God, no. yeah. that is that's not interesting to me at all. And B, I don't think I'd be allowed to have that role anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder why. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Well. <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway, listen, Libby, this has been great. That's all I have, unless you have any other questions or, or comments or things you want to say to the to the audience, to the, to the folks listening. Well, number one, thank you for having me on your show. This has been such a pleasure Absolutely. connecting with you heart to heart, Absolutely. energy to energy. Right. And and I love that you're just putting the truth out there through this this medium. And I would say, you know, again, bringing it back to the truth, the number one thing that I learned from Oprah working with her was be yourself with all people at all times in all situations. Mm. And I was a extreme people pleaser. And it's something I still work on in my life, peeling back those layers. Um, as you mentioned yourself, you know, in your life, taking care of people and people pleasing. And uh, that that's so powerful to be yourself. And I'm still working on it, yeah. you know, and the yeah. more you are yourself and not bit trying to be someone for someone else or for your role, just be yourself. Yeah. If being yourself gets you fired, then so be it. Cause there's something amazing out there waiting for you, yeah. you know, or if, yeah. or it gets that breakup because there's someone amazing out there waiting for you. That's a perfect match. So being your truthful, authentic, authentic self, is your superpower. There's nothing you can do that's better than that. Yeah. And that's really, that's really one of the premises of the show to really just, you know, have people, it's, it's, again, it's uncomfortable. It's a cold shower, but once you can get, <laughs> get through it, <laughs> once you can get through it, there's amazing things waiting for you on the other side. Libby, where, where can people reach out to you? I know not Facebook, but uh, where, that's right. <laughs> where can they reach out to you to uh, yeah. learn more about what you do? And if they want to Consult with you on doing some coaching. My website is LibbyMoore.com, L-I-B-B-Y-M-O-O-R-E, LibbyMoore.com. My Instagram, my only social media that I'm on is Instagram. It's LibbyMoreGypsyTour, G-Y-P-S-Y, Gypsy Tour, LibbyMoreGypsyTour. I post about once every three months, so <laughs> that's how active I am on that. <laughs> Soon to be launching LoveXGlobal.com, which is my coaching yeah, that's that's pretty much the best way of getting in touch with me. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Gathers. I appreciate you. Yeah, this was great. I appreciate you as well. Um, keep shining your light um, for the world to see. I'm going to sign off as I always do that the truth will set you free if you let it.